Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show. And in this segment, we're talking about something that's actually, you know, we don't talk about it that much, but I, th- I think it's, it's much more common or it's getting more well-known, and that is the, the, the condition or the disease of being bipolar. And today we have an expert, Michael Pippich, who holds a Master of Science degree in clinical community psychology from California State Fullerton. And he's treated a wide range of mental disorders and relationship problems for over 30 years. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist. And he's also testified as an expert in many legal cases. He's taught several graduate psychology courses, including psychopharmacology, addictions, and counseling. And he was selected as a collaborating investigator by the American Psychiatric Association and performed clinical trials. And he's a national speaker on bipolar disorder and has been featured in many radio and television programs. And his brand new book is called Owning Bipolar, How Patients and Families Can Take Control of Bipolar Disorder. Welcome, Michael. Patricia, thanks very much for having me on your show today. It's great to be here. Uh, Thank you. You know, one of the things I know I'd love you to talk about, but I know um, it's not an easy thing to diagnose because a lot of people can kind of, you know, get away with it, if you will, in the outside world. So, and I know that um, this is a specialty of yours. Why is this difficult to diagnose? Well, there's a couple of different reasons that go into that, and, and you're right to suggest that it's, it's very frequently um, unrecognized, and e- even in clinical practice, uh, most people with bipolar disorder do go misdiagnosed, and uh, so there's, there's uh, several reasons for that. I think, uh, first of all, uh, from sort of the patient perspective, if you will, uh, there may not be a full recognition of the difference between uh, there are episodes of depression, which is very common, of course, with bipolar disorder on the one hand. On the other hand, um, episodes of mania or kind of a, a, a somewhat of a less um, variation of that known as hypomania as where they feel energetic and alive and very productive and creative. So a lot of people come in to therapy who have what we call or describe an underlying bipolar disorder, that is, it's not recognized and maybe focusing on their depression or focusing on marital issues or relationship problems or problems yeah. at work or at school mm-hmm. um, as being sort of the primary uh, factors that might present them to treatment. And then from mm-hmm. the professional standpoint, the clinician standpoint, somebody like myself in, in practice, uh, we may pay uh, attention to those presenting problems or to current or recent depression and miss the opportunity to take a look at that person's full history of mood swings to suggest that they have something uh, other than depression alone or anxiety or relationship problems and so forth, that they may in fact have bipolar disorder. So Mm. as a result, about two-thirds of of the population with bipolar go either um, uh, unrecognized or misdiagnosed at some point. Mm -hmm. Why did you decide to focus on bipolar disorder? 
partly for for those reasons that we just talked about. Um, I think that uh, we as as clinicians like myself and and the larger community uh, can do first of all a better job at at understanding what bipolar is and and uh, how to approach it and how to treat it in a unified way. But I also think that since my book particularly focuses and speaks to patients and families themselves, it's important for individuals either with the condition or the loved ones around that individual to know what to look for and to understand that and relate to some of the problem areas and the recognizable features of bipolar, but again, understand what to do with it um, in order to find uh, treatments that are available, what to expect going through those treatments, and uh, what to expect going forward in terms of having a successful management of bipolar, but a a successful life in general. Yeah, very important. Who commonly gets bipolar disorder? Is this genetic or yes? Yes, it is. It's it's heavily weighted toward uh, genetics. Uh, so the very foundations of bipolar are essentially coded in the person's uh, DNA, and it's passed mm. through family lines. So if mm. somebody has bipolar disorder, it's a really good chance that they either had a parent or grandparent or an extended family member at least that has had a bipolar disorder. And then from there, uh, certain uh, factors, which I call catalysts for bipolar, uh, sort of bring out uh, the bipolar from a symptoms standpoint at some point in their life, uh, either through adolescence or in the case of women with uh, a postpartum onset of bipolar disorder or any number of factors that can influence um, uh, the genetic side of it, if you will, uh, to bring out those symptoms. And, it, and, and th- this is known to be uh, not only a psychological disorder, but a neurological one. And that's why the treatments have to kind of focus at that level as well. Mm, because it's part of the brain, part of the chemistry in the brain. How the, the brain basically is designed to function to handle mm. mood regulation, yes. Mm. What kind of information did you gather for this book? I gathered information, first of all, from my own clinical practice and my experience and the the patients and families that I had worked with during that period of time, of the research that that I went through um, over several years uh, that I think helped not only to align some of the things that I was witnessing in my own uh, clinical experience, but also to sort of deepen uh, my, my knowledge about bipolar disorder both from a diagnostic um, viewpoint, but also from a treatment standpoint. And then also I created uh, opportunities for people around the country, around the world to contribute their stories on what I call the Bipolar Network, which there's Mm. a website and also a Facebook page, Bipolar Network. That's important. Yes, they very generously contributed their stories so that I would have a kind of a broader personal perspective and some of those stories are included in Owning Bipolar as well. So mm-hmm. I like to think that I have found a, a very kind of diverse, rich, um, you know, um, basis uh, for, for these concepts and, and for the book. Mm. What is your three-phase approach to bipolar? And explain, explain it and why it's so important. The three-phase of, uh, approach is centered around the medical stabilization of bipolar mood swings where uh, the right medications are really sort of the centerpiece of that. But I recognize that um, while medications are very important, 
they're not really the only solution, at least not only uh, part of that solution. Uh, what we need is sort of something around that to help people move through those phases um, around that medication. So uh, the first phase is the pre-stabilization phase, and that's marked by some sort of crisis, some sort of um, uh, experience that the individual is having who has bipolar disorder, whether they recognize it at the time or not. Um, but it's uh, either a crisis coming out of uh, the bipolar symptoms themselves or some problem that's exacerbated by those symptoms. And that's the time where assessment for bipolar disorder is really important and also bringing in, if possible, a family member or two or three family members and create a support network where um, all of these individuals, along with a treatment team, can be formulated and work uh, together. And we also expect during that pre-stabilization phase some level of denial where bipolar Mm -hmm. is concerned. Uh, That's just part of the disorder as far as I'm concerned. And we have to recognize that and and begin to work through that as uh, as well as introducing the idea of treatment, specifically medications and so forth, to that individual and the family. And as we work through that phase, we get to the stabilization phase where medications are introduced. And um, that's an important time to help people uh, to kind of endure that, uh, uh, that phase because for some people it can be very tricky to get them on the right combination of medications at the right mm-hmm. levels because everybody's is, different, as you know. Is medication part of a, is it a lifelong process or is it short term or does it depend on the person? Really, we find for bipolar disorder, Patricia, that um, medications are going to be lifelong to one Mm -hmm. extent or another for mood stabilization because there is plenty of evidence uh, to show that when somebody does have bipolar disorder, if they go off their medications, they may be fine for a while from a symptom standpoint, and they may feel really good, actually, for a period of time. But uh, the research, and certainly my experience clinically, uh, shows that at some point, Uh, those mood swings and some of those consequences that that person has experienced will likely return. So I'm glad you brought that up during that stabilization phase. It's really an important time for a patient and family to begin to understand what it means to manage uh, a disorder that's that's chronic, much in the way that we may look at diabetes and other Mm -hmm. medical disorders that that are Mm -hmm. chronic and and require uh, that level of, of management. But as you help people kind of go through that phase and they accept where they're at and medications are effective and with minimal problems and they're set for long-term maintenance, then we can enter in that third phase, which is the post-stabilization phase. And that's the time when um, people are not just treated for bipolar disorder per se, but uh, all aspects of their life, including their relationship, health, and well-being going forward, can be really addressed uh, therapeutically. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like, you know, the theme of your show is positive living. That's the theme, mm-hmm. I think, of that post-stabilization phase as well. Mm-hmm. Really Very treating important. the whole person, not just the bipolar itself. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to take a break on that note. My guest is Michael Pippich, and his book is Owning Bipolar, How Patients and Families Can Take Control of Bipolar Disorder. And Michael has extensive interest and knowledge in treating bipolar disorder from individual and family therapy modalities, and uh, is a uh, and and you you are an active you are a therapist a clinical therapist now in this field. That's correct. Yes. 
Okay. So, yeah, I want to get, I wanted to make sure that he's a lecturer, media personality, and he's had more than 30 years of experience in mental health. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about some celebrities who've had bipolar, like Jane Pauley and Catherine Zeta Jones. Not to profile them per se, but to talk about sort of when this condition happened and how we can relate to it in terms of its onset and what are some of the issues that they and and the rest of us face uh, when we have this as a systems uh, issue in our family or if we're dealing with it by ourselves. But again, as Michael said, you really need a group of people to help you because it's a, it's, it's a whole, you know, it takes a group like it takes a village. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com and we'll be back with Michael. Michael Pippich, Owning Bipolar, How Patients and Families Can Take Control of Bipolar Disorder, right after the break. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What defines your success? Is it success in your business? Success in your personal life? Is it more money? Is it meaningful relationships? How about your passion? Listen for Taking Care of Business with host David Wallach. David's guests share their challenges and what they did to overcome them. What if you can let your passion for success lead you to your success? Taking Care of Business is broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Our humanity is a thing we take for granted, but it takes many forms, and it requires much of us to fully express it. Listen to On Living, the trauma and beauty of being human with host Dr. Leanne Nguyen. This program will explore topics about survival, fulfillment, hope, connection, being fully alive to ourselves and to others. Guests or people whose life experience inspires us to reflect on these questions. Tune into On Living, broadcasting live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. And we are talking about bipolar disorder with Michael Pippich, who is the author of Owning Bipolar, How Patients and Families Can Take Control of Bipolar Disorder. 
And we're going to talk about some celebrities who've had this and what that means. And let me tell you a little bit about Michael Pippich. Um, he is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He's treated a wide range of mental disorders and relationship problems in adolescents and adults for over 30 years. And he also um, has been an investigator uh, in pharmacology, and he's worked with the American Psychiatric Association and many others. Welcome back, Michael. Thanks again for having me, Yeah, yeah l- let's talk about um, people like Jane Pauley and uh, Catherine Jada Jones, who have publicly talked about this disorder. And I know you have something in your book about them. And since they're well-known, and we wouldn't think about them as having this, uh, discuss that a little bit. Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, certainly a fascinating thing to look at the profiles of people uh, that we know uh, who are celebrities uh, that have bipolar disorder, and also some historical profiles of people that we suspect had a manic depression or, or bipolar as well, including um, uh, Vincent van Gogh, Isaac Newton, and obviously many great uh, thinkers and, mm. and minds over the, over the um, centuries. Um, and, and typically, we can easily associate bipolar disorder, I think, as a positive thing because such high-profile individuals who are terribly creative and uh, wonderfully uh, productive in, in their own endeavors um, can really sort of elevate um, particular bipolar mania to something that's really uh, fantastic. Uh, but I think that, that in itself can be a little bit uh, deceiving because um, Mania has uh, some very terrible consequences associated with too, and and if I think we look deeper into the profiles of some of these individuals, including ones as you mentioned who are alive and well and working and and productive uh, among us today, uh, we can see those uh, potential consequences and how it may have ruined careers and lives around them, or uh, or maybe you know came close to doing that and, until until they got help and, and recognized what was going on. Yeah, so important. You said um, off air, I thought it was fascinating, that Jane Pauley didn't discover this till she was in her 50s. That's amazing. Why do you think that is? Because she was able to camouflage it maybe as a prof- high-profile individual? What do you think? Well, that would be really interesting. I'm not exactly sure all of the details in terms of her own particular uh, life story. I know she's chronicled it in her own um, in her own way, but but I think that it's not unusual to see people who are, um, like you said, high profile and obviously she's a TV journalist for many years and and still very uh, productive. And I was watching her this past Sunday morning as well, interviewing her own husband. Yes, <laughs> so I saw it too. Uh, you know, she's doing great things, um, but I I suspect that. Uh, uh, people like Miss Polly and and it may be people that are not quite as much uh, in the uh, in the in the limelight, but also um, have uh, high uh, powered kind of positions and so forth, CEOs and whatnot, um, have people around them um, and a lot of available resources to sort of protect some of their eccentricities and things that kind of get out of control. Um, and probably, um, you know, not just from a optics standpoint, but probably from a very personal standpoint, a lot of people have that kind of ability to, like you said, maybe 
um, um, uh, hide some of the of those consequences probably better than a lot of people with bipolar disorder have available to them. I would I would imagine that's at least part of the story for those individuals. But again, I think uh, at some point or another, it just becomes untenable for a- any individual and certainly their loved ones around them to really you know manage that in a way that uh, doesn't have uh, consequences or doesn't chip away at their relationships or their finances or their standing professionally or socially. I think at some point we, particularly in this current environment with social media and so forth, we just know so much about each other that it just becomes harder and harder to, to hide away and puts more pressure on individuals either to sort of come out, if you will, at least to their, uh, to their own families and friends, uh, if not to, to the whole world in the case of uh, celebrities. What are some of the symptoms? Is it um, being very, very high and then very, very low in a short period of time or not necessarily? Well, um, sometimes that may be true in the case of people that we describe as having bipolar 2 disorder where the manic type of symptoms, in that case we call hypomania, may be shorter in duration. But even then, it may go for a few days, uh, if not a week or so, before that mood uh, changes. In the case of people that we uh, diagnose as bipolar 1, uh, their manic symptoms, which are pretty severe in themselves, can go uh, many days if not um, treated. Uh, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, maybe months. Um, and then from a depression standpoint, they can swing into a very serious clinical depression. Um, and in fact, we know that people with bipolar disorder are very much at risk for suicide and also for co-occurring substance abuse problems. So not only are the symptoms themselves uh, very critical, but they also bring with them some very, very serious problems that need uh, immediate attention if, if, if they're not being actively treated at the time. Mm-hmm. All right, we have a couple of minutes left. What would be your message for our readers? What would you, what's, what would you like to leave them with? I think really the important message for anybody suffering with bipolar, either they have the condition themselves or they have a loved one, is to know that you're not alone and that there is information available and there are opportunities. And maybe some of those opportunities you've already tried and, and you didn't get the, the, the outcome that you were looking for. I would just uh, encourage people to um, be patient, uh, hang in there, have hope, and, and know that, again, they're not alone. There are resources available. And uh, to, to really uh, understand that when bipolar disorder is correctly diagnosed and treated, uh, the opportunities for their life uh, can really take off from there. And in your book, I mean, you list a lot of the, the medications, you list resources, you explain what they are. So it's very, very helpful. I mean, there's a, there's a whole guide in here of, of all different uh, references. Yes, I think it's important for people just to have that education and know what the medications are so they're not as scary and they have the right kind of questions when they go in and meet with their physician rather than just sort of receiving information and not necessarily knowing what to do with it, to have a real interactive, collaborative type of conversation about medications and all aspects of bipolar treatment with their doctors and therapists going forward. Yeah. How can people find your book? Well, they'll find it on the on all of the online retailers and in their bookstores, uh, but they can certainly go to uh, my website for the book, which is owningbipolar.com. There's plenty of information and links there. 
And uh, if they want to know more about me and my practice, that's michaelpipich.com, which is michaelpipich.com. And then uh, if they're interested in the Bipolar Network, just uh, you can put in your search engine, Bipolar Network, and, uh, and uh, also find us on Facebook as well. All right. This is great. Really enjoyed having you on the program. And again, just list your website one more time for the, for the audience. Sure. My website is michaelpipich.com. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. And again, our guest has been Michael Pippich talking about owning bipolar, how patients and families can take control of bipolar disorder. Really get this book. It's very helpful. Thanks so much for being on the program, Michael. Yeah. Thank you, Patricia. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Stay, stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, do check me out on Facebook. Um, like me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. And if you'd like a copy of my newsletter to see who all my guests are and other things I'm doing, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Until next time, have a great week. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.